Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. I want to ask a question very quickly. How many of you do not speak in tongues? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. How many of you do not speak in tongues? Does everybody... Okay, one person. Who else? Two, three. Who else? Please raise it up well. Sorry, let me just count again. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, I made up my mind if they were more than five people we're going to do something very quickly let me tell you this oh dear lord jesus all right turn your bibles quickly acts chapter 1 verse 8 is a popular text acts chapter 1 verse 8 are you ready for god this morning all right acts chapter 1 verse 8 read together one two go You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, Jesus says, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and in the utmost parts of the earth. What does it mean to be a witness? It means to see, to hear, and to know by personal experience or perception. This is very important. To be a witness means to see to hear and to experience by personal experience. I take that again, to see, to hear, or to know by personal experience or perception. That's what it means to be a witness. It is a legal term. So you can be invited to court as a witness. And before you are brought to the witness stand, you must have seen or heard or known about what happened, the case at hand. By personal experience or perception. You don't witness by vote of confidence. You witness by experience. So if they say, did he kill this woman? You don't say yes. Or you don't say no. Just by vote of confidence. I know him. He can't do such a thing. It doesn't work by, by that. If you are brought to the witness stand, you must have seen. Maybe you were there. You saw it happen. Or you heard. Or you had some form of evidence. Come on, are you with me? So, why were the disciples called witnesses? The apostles, why did they call witnesses? Because they witnessed the resurrection. When reports came to Thomas that Jesus was alive, he didn't believe. You don't witness by faith. You witness by fact. He didn't believe. He said, this Jesus that I saw, they put a spear through his side. They nailed him to a cross. You are telling me he's alive. Until I put my finger in the holes of his wound, I will not believe. And so Jesus showed up in a closed room where they were. And he called Thomas in particular. He said, come, feel me. 
Because a spirit has not flesh and bones. Meaning, this is not just a vision of me. This is me. Come on, are you with me? A spirit has not flesh and bones. Then he said, is there food? Because spirits don't eat. Forget what you watch in Hollywood once in a while. You know, is there food? They brought food and he ate with them. So they knew beyond reasonable doubt that Jesus was alive. Thomas repented. He said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen but believe. He said, Thomas, you believe because you have seen, but blessed are those who have not seen, but yet they believe. So the disciples were called witnesses because they saw, they heard, and they knew by personal experience and perception that Jesus was alive. They didn't know by faith. You know by faith. Come on, are you with me? But they didn't know by faith. So in John chapter 1, when John says, the things that our eyes have seen, our ears have heard, and our hands have handled of the word of life, he was talking about personal experience and perception. When Jesus rose from the dead, we were with him for 40 days. How many days? And so the book of Acts opens up by telling you, that Jesus showed himself alive 40 days and with infallible proofs. They had ample time to verify the truth of the resurrection and they found it to be true. Come on, amen, somebody. So, the question now is, why then did Jesus say, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me? It means... That it takes more than information to be a witness. Just because you saw Jesus alive doesn't mean you're empowered to be his witness. Come on, are you with me? It's not enough to know that Jesus is alive. To have seen the resurrected Christ. That's a good starting point for you to have been one of the first witnesses, the first apostles. But it was going to take more. He said, go and tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Because you see, the New Testament church was going to be communicated not just with information, but with power. If you want to see the kingdom of God, the message of God, thrive in a city. Thrive in this city of context, in Uyo. It's going to take power. Come on, are you with me? You received information yesterday, but information is not enough. And that's why every church of Jesus Christ must emphasize charismatic ministry. Not just information. Charismatic ministry. Except you see signs, you will not believe, Jesus said. Charismatic ministry. They are designed to go hand in hand. Preaching and power. The demonstration of the spirit and of power. Say loud amen. And that's why Joel prophesied that at the advent of the Spirit, it won't just be few people demonstrating the power of God. It will be all believers. Once upon a time, only some select people operated in the things of God, such that when Joshua saw people prophesying, he went to report to Moses. And Moses said, I would that all God's people were prophets and they prophesied. Joel prophesied. 
He said, it shall come to pass in the last day, says the Lord, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Can you say all flesh? You know, a lot of people don't understand that Joel was being poetic in his description of all flesh. He thought he was giving distinctions and categorizations that sons and daughters shall prophesy, old men shall dream dreams. You know, some people, God speaks to them through dreams and they're like, ah, but I'm, I'm a young man, why am I dreaming? It doesn't work like that. He was describing all flesh, sons and daughters, young and old, male and female. Nobody in the church will be left out. Come on, are you with me? So by saying young men shall dream dreams, um, old men shall dream dreams, young men shall prophesy, he wasn't giving limitations. He was doing the opposite. He was saying nobody will be left out. It won't be a function of how much money and influence you have. He said even servants and handmaidens, upon servants and handmaidens, without, will I pour out my spirit. And so in Acts chapter 2, 120 people were in the upper room and suddenly there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. Cloven tongues as of fire sat on the head of everyone. And everyone began to speak in tongues as the Holy Ghost gave utterance. Let me tell you something. One of the clear marks of the New Testament church is not just power, but common power. <laughs> there is almost nothing that you see in the New Testament church that was not in the old. What makes it New Testament is that it's common. If it is not common, it is not New Testament. Even if you raise the dead, the dead was raised in the Old Testament. Even if you have a teleportation experience, Elijah had it regularly. Come on, are you with me? What makes it New Testament is that it must be common. Meaning not just pastor, but all believers. If it is only the pastor in the church that hears God, that's not New Testament. And some people, whether unintentionally or culturally or traditionally, are still running New Testament ministry the Old Testament way. And so you see a pastor on the flyer and everybody is coming to the church to receive from the pastor as if the pastor is the only one who has the Holy Spirit. Make no mistake, there is such a thing as maturity in the things of God. Are you with me? There's such a thing as maturity in the things of God and the pastor can have more experience and is responsible for perfecting the saints for the work of ministry. That is responsibility. But it is not for pastors alone. So yeah, Peter was in the upper room. John was in the upper room. James was in the upper room. But it was not those three alone that spoke in tongues. The Spirit came on Everybody! And they began to speak in tongues, every one of them. Speaking in tongues is not luxurious. It's not for some select few. It's for all men. We know this because there is no place where the Spirit manifested giving the gift of tongues and only few people spoke. In Cornelius' house, as Cornelius was speaking, his servants were also speaking. Is that not the fulfillment of Joel also? Even the servants in Cornelius' house spoke in tongues too. In Acts 18, everybody spoke in tongues. Do, we don't see any example in the Bible where only few people spoke in tongues. Because the prophecy of Joel was all men. How many men? 
Come on, say that with conviction. How many? Say it again with conviction. How many? Hallelujah. So how many of us are going to function in the power of God? Is it just is just all is it just some of us? Say all of us. In fact, say in this meeting, everyone participates in the things of God. Say it again with conviction. Say in this meeting, every one of us will participate in the things of God. You know, someone said something very brilliant. There is no way to know that everybody had cloven tongues as a fire on their head, except if everyone saw it. Because even if it is one person, you won't see the one on his own head. So for you to know for sure that cloven tongues as a fire sat on the head of everyone, it means everyone saw it. So in a meeting like this, it's not only the pastor who sees visions. You will see also. Come on, are you with me? In a meeting like this, it's not only the pastor who can receive a prophetic word. You can. God can tell you about the person by your side. So in Acts chapter 13, it wasn't just one person who knew that God was saying, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas. It was a unanimous prophecy. Everyone had a witness. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, That's God's plan for you. Say, that's God's plan for me. Say, and I receive nothing less. Say, I won't settle for less. Hallelujah. So embrace the possibility of you flowing in the things of God. And I said all of that to say this. I want to quickly talk about tongues. So for those of you who have never spoken in tongues, you're going to speak in tongues today. Say loud, amen. amen. And you know, we're saying amen just... Um, because that's what that's the spiritual traditional thing to do. It's not a prayer point; it's a fact. Are you with me? Oh, thank you, Lord. And for everyone else, I'm teaching you so that you'll be able to teach others. Let me ask you this: If you are here and you have not gotten someone filled with the Spirit before, raise your hand. Be honest. You've not gotten someone filled with the Spirit before. Good. So, in this service, I'm going to be explaining to you how you can do that. Praise the name of the Lord. First and foremost, what is speaking in tongues? What does it mean? You need to know what it is. A lot of people don't know what it is. I want to give a definition. This is my own attempt at a definition. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it will help you a great deal. To speak in tongues as a believer is to willfully speak what sounds like rubbish to all natural men. See, I want you to write it, then I will explain. To speak in tongues as a believer is to willfully say willfully is to willfully speak what sounds like rubbish to all natural men. How many natural men? All these things I'm putting are very important. To all natural men, a language that is a supernatural communication, a language that is a supernatural communication between your spirit and God. I take it again. To speak in tongues as a believer... 
is to willfully speak what sounds like rubbish to all natural men in language that is a supernatural communication between your spirit and God. So I want to break this down. Number one, to speak in tongues, you must be a believer. This is very important. These signs shall follow them that believe. Mark 16, 17. This sign shall follow who? Come on, say it loud. This sign shall follow who? You know, and to believe is so simple. You receive the message of the gospel as I was taught yesterday. I believe in my heart, confess with my mouth, Jesus died for me. Therefore, my sins are forgiven. He rose again the third day. That's what it means to believe. It's for believers. It's important because, you know, the Bible tells us of a magician who saw the spirit in manifestation and he wanted the influence but did not want the consecration. So he offered money. Give me this power so I also can function in it. He just wanted the power. You don't seek the things of the spirit out of sheer lust for power. You must believe. Come on, are you with me? Because the manifestations of the Spirit, tongues and every other gift, are a witness to the message. So, it is for believers. It is for who? Number two, you are to do it willfully. You are to do it willfully. Some people have this notion. And this is why many people have not spoken in tongues. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit to grab their esophagus and start shaking it violently until what they now hear is, you know, or something like that. That's not how it works. It is not involuntary. If it is involuntary, it's a demon. The Holy Spirit will not make you do anything. It's a partnership. He gives you the ability and you do it. So the Bible says that they were in the upper room this, suddenly, you know, the Spirit of God, you know, came upon them and they spoke in tongues. Who spoke in tongues? Did the Holy Spirit speak in tongues? The Holy Spirit does not speak in tongues. They spoke in tongues as the Holy Ghost gave them utterance. You need to understand how utterance works. The same way you have a natural language, there is a supernatural language called tongues. You only speak when you want to. Isn't that true? Uh -huh. You only speak when you want to. So, what the Holy Ghost gives you is the unction. And listen, that means there is a faith dimension to tongues. The same way you believe that you have the Holy Spirit, then you are going to speak. He won't speak for you. There are many people who are filled with the Spirit. I wish I had no time to explain this. Even though the, the, usually the manifestation of this infilling of the Spirit is in speaking. But you can have the Holy Spirit in abundance and never speak in tongues. If you don't understand what I'm saying this. You can be dripping with glory and not speak in tongues. If you, don't, if you are waiting for him to take you involuntarily. You know, there was a lady I laid hands on in school. Her whole body was vibrating. Her teeth were gnashing. Lady, speak in tongues. And she was just quiet. That's why I've made up my mind to always take time to explain it. Because for some people, it is dramatic. We've had maybe dramatic. <laughs> there was a guy, 
I laid hands on in school. He fell into a trance. And he was in a room and a man walked into the room and said, say after me, Maragoshke. So as he was repeating it, you know, we were hearing him. But listen, nine out of ten of the times, it won't be dramatic. Come on, are you with me? And you know that you are growing spiritually when you know that it doesn't have to be spectacular to be spiritual. It doesn't have to be spectacular. I made this mistake because I began to speak in tongues in a way that wasn't spectacular. For years, I still doubted. In fact, once in a while, if they, they had a meeting and they say, if you want to speak in tongues, come out. I will still come out. I changed on a day where I was speaking in tongues somewhere and someone just quickly said, everyone else, keep quiet. He wanted to hear what I was saying. And then he began to interpret. I was shocked. I was like, that's me, yo. That's where my faith level and what he was interpreting that I was saying was spot on. I was like, wow. So I'm deep like this. I didn't know. And that's, that's, oh my God. And that leads me to the next point. The only way you will know you are doing the right thing is by the Spirit. So the next point is, it will sound like gibberish. It will sound like rubbish to all men. Some people, you know, they take a step of faith, they're speaking in tongues, and they stop. Why did you stop? It's like I'm saying rubbish. That means you are getting it. If it makes sense to your mind, you are missing it. It is supposed to sound like rubbish. And that's the mystery of God. That something that sounds so fickle, so rubbish to your natural mind, is a powerful communication between your spirit and God's. You'll be surprised that in the action of this, the demonstration of what sounds like rubbish, you will just be understanding, you'll just be seeing that your spirit will be gaining strength. This muscle of your spirit will be built up. It's like you're rising as an edifice. You are getting bold. You can't understand it. Why is this happening? Something is rising from within you. Where is this coming from? You don't know. That's the mystery of God. He uses foolish things to confound the wise. Just in case you don't know, tongues is a foolish thing to the natural man. And for you to demonstrate this gift of the Spirit, you must embrace what is called foolishness before men. The only way they know that you are getting it right is your life begins to change. That's how. That's how. That's how. The same timid you that will not admit that you knew Jesus to a slave girl will stand before 3,000 people and preach Christ. That's the work of the Holy Ghost. Come on, are you with me? I don't really have time to explain to you. You know, there are a lot of misconceptions about tongues. Tongues is done in human language. Tongues is for evangelism. So when you travel to China and you never learned Mandarin, the Holy Ghost will just come upon you for the purpose of evangelism. And you start saying, Tonneya, you know. <laughs> you know. I'm not saying that cannot happen. I'm saying that's not tongues. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2. Did I say 12? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. Please put it up very fast. I have to be Zutaka Palatakaya. Everybody read 
1 Corinthians 14, 2, together, 1, 2, go. Hold on. That already cancels the notion that tongues is for evangelism. Because when I speak in tongues, I'm not speaking to men, but to... Very important. Next, what does it say? One, two, go. Say that again. One, two, go. Say it loud. I want to go. For no one understands him. Listen, the way to interpret the scriptures is by what is called corroboration. You interpret scripture with scripture. So, what I am reading in 1 Corinthians 14 must help me understand Acts 2. Because Paul authoritatively says, when you speak in tongues, no one understands you. That changes my perception of Acts 2 because Paul could not be lying. And listen, 1 Corinthians 14 is more authoritative than Acts 2. And the reason is simple. In Acts 2, this is what people said. People said, people said they heard. Some of you know how rumors spread. Have you heard something that was making rounds, but when you discovered the fact, it was totally different? So, you need to understand that in Acts 2, Luke, who wrote the book, was giving what theologians call a journalistic account. Writing what people said they heard. Doesn't mean that's what happened. Doesn't mean that's what happened. How many of you remember how noisy your secondary school class was when there was no teacher? Now, when you were outside the class, could you hear any single person? What do you just hear? Noise. Right? Now, you really think 120 people were in an upper room praying out their lungs from the top of their voice and people downstairs were differentiating their voice. Ah, that one in the middle. I'm hearing him speak Ishekiri. Ah, that one at the back is speaking in Bibio. You think that's what happened? I'm asking you. If 120 people pray at the same time, how many of them will you hear? None! Is that common sense or not? So, number one, the narrative of what people claim to hear doesn't really add up. Number two, Paul authoritatively tells you no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So that's gibberish. Something that needs to be explained. Something that needs interpretation. The only way you speak in tongues and someone understands is if you interpret. That's what he was saying. Verse 14, I will speak in the spirit and I will speak in my understanding also. I will pray in the spirit and pray in my understanding also. Meaning, when I'm praying in the spirit, I am not praying in my understanding. That's 14, right? That means praying in the spirit is not praying in your understanding. I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with my understanding. I will sing with the Spirit and I will also sing with my understanding. Meaning when you are praying in the Spirit, you are not praying in a language you understand. And you are not praying in a language anyone understands. So what is number one? Come on, it is for believers, right? What is number two? 
What is number three? Number four. You can't seek the gift of tongues and not receive it. It's not possible. There is no biblical example of any such thing happening. It is not possible. Jesus himself gives you the confidence. Two texts very quickly. Because we still have a lot to share on today. The reason I need to take my time, I told you yesterday. If it's, if it's an apostolic meeting, there must be teaching. It is teaching that will make you established. Hallelujah. The lady said, after a meeting like this, she went for a routine checkup. And the doctor said, I can't see anything. She was even annoyed. Like, are you wasting my time? Are you... And the, doc- the doctor turned this monitor so she could see the scan. She said, nothing. Just because hands were laid on her. In fact... It was so serious that she was meant to get married. She booked her honeymoon to be in India so that after playing, they can go for operation. They had already bought their ticket. And so now they went just to have fun (laughs) because Jesus had done it. There are things you have been spending money on. You wouldn't need to spend money on them anymore. Say amen like you believe it. There are things that if you've been using money to maintain, that maintenance cost will go to something more important. You can use it to take care of yourself, take care of your family, give to the gospel. Because a miracle is about to happen. A miracle is about to happen. Thank you, Jesus. The last time I was in Portacord, I prayed for a child that had been blind. You know, brought him on stage, prayed for him, presence of everyone, and I gave the word of knowledge. I said, these eyes will continue to get better. You know, one day after preaching in church, the boy's auntie ran to me and said, <laughs> That boy has started to see. You, you are not sounding excited. Oh, this Jesus. Listen, there is no sickness without a cure. <laughs> no sickness without a cure. There is nothing he cannot do. Every question has an answer. You know? So from a boy who was totally blind, now... He's using glasses. Someone said, why is he not perfected? Well, it to perfect. Say loud, amen. amen. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't um, doctor miracles. I tell you the way it happened. Are you, are you with me? Uh, but if you think it's cheap, you to pray for someone that cannot see at all. Let him start using glasses. <laughs> uh, or let him see perfectly. Then I will learn from you. You don't dare tell me why is he using glasses. A boy that couldn't see at all. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Come on, I said glory to God. Come on, I said glory to God. All right. So, um, I said I was going to share with you two texts. Very important. Listen, listen, listen. Those of you who have not spoken in tongues, this is all you need. 
In John 7, 37, the Bible says, on the last day, the great day of the feasts, Jesus stood and cried with a loud voice. You see, let me tell you something. The voice of God is resounding in this service. That same invitation is here in this service. And what's he saying? If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Don't again say that there was scarcity of the Spirit. Because it is Jesus who is making the invitation. If you are thirsty, drink. There is no lack. There is no lack. Oh, you want to see, you want, you want the spirit? You want him to enter into you and walk in you? Uh, 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 listen, uh, it's in the fridge. Just go there and have a drink. There is surplus. It is a toddler that will be thirsty in the house and saying, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty. An adult goes to the fridge, get some water to drink. And Jesus is saying, this is available to you. If you are thirsty, drink. This tongue gift that you have been waiting for is there. Oh, maybe you didn't know. Jesus is saying, ah, it has always been available now. Drink. Drink. He that believes, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living. Give me a second. John 7 37. Hallelujah. No one can accuse God of being interested in something like tongues and he asked and God did not give. It's not possible. Did you hear what I just said? He said, if you are thirsty, drink. If you are thirsty, drink. I remember 2010, a lady reached out to me on Facebook saying she wanted to speak in tongues. So I called her over Skype explained what I was I'm explaining to you now. And I just said, say this with me. Led her into a confession. After a while, I didn't hear her voice again. I said, are you there? She said, yes. <laughs> I said, what's going on? She said, mataka parapata. <laughs> Over Skype. black American over Skype then you are here ah come on look at look at Luke chapter 11 verse 11 very quickly Luke 11 11 everybody read together loud as you can one two go very valid question now, is this something you can relate to? You love children, especially your own children. Will they ask you for bread and instead of a bread, you give him a stone? Or ask for fish and instead of a fish, you give a serpent? Verse 12. Read verse 12 together. One, two, go. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Verse 13. As loud as you can, everybody read verse 13 together. One, two, go. Where is, where is it? Verse 13. One, two, go. Thank you, Jesus. So he said, it is not possible that you ask for the Holy Ghost and not receive. It's not possible. Thank you for listening. 
We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7000. Blessings.